Make you want to shout a little bit, huh? <laughs> Amen. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. Well, God's already given us something good this morning. Amen. I, I love seeing, uh, since I'm on the platform, I got to see us all ministering to one another. And thank you, elders and everybody else who jumped in there. And, uh, you know, there's been a... I believe there's been an attack released on our church. And uh, we, we, we gained some, some victory today when we, we refused to, to give in to that. And we declared and we, and we said, Lord, no, we're looking to you. Um, thank you, Lisa, for hearing the Lord and picking out that song because that's one we gave up on a long time ago. Give me a little bit more, more bass again. I'm... <clears throat> so... Um... <clears throat> got down to my real voice there um you know there's there was something something released this morning and uh you know i believe that uh you know the stuff that you know there's just been a lot of sickness and a lot of stuff going around and i know it's been going around our cities but there's been things specifically come at our people and especially some of our leadership and so uh, i believe that's that's an attack but it has been identified and we are, are standing against it uh with the authority of jesus christ and he is the one that is reigning he is the one where he it says that that all things everything on heaven and on earth all authority is is underneath his feet and so he, he is the reigning king, and we step into the reality of what is already true when we, when we declare that, when we believe that, when we receive that, when we refuse to let any other thing dictate that truth, that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so, uh, wow, thank you, Lord, uh, bringing a breakthrough this morning uh, through our time of worship. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. Open to Acts chapter 9. Thank you, Lord. You know, last week, uh, we talked about being a voice, that we are a voice for the Lord, and we have something to say, and that our, our lives... Uh, individually as families and as the family of God, this church family, the people of God, that we communicate who God is. And, and our, the tone of our voice, the, the way that we live our lives can display the tone of, of God, God's voice, and, and make people want to hear Him. You know, when you hear someone's voice that you want to hear more about that sounds good, you say, I want to get to know that person. That, that, the kind of things that person says, I want to I draw near to them. And that's what we get to be, just like... Uh, we, we used John the Baptist as an illustration when he said, I am a voice. And I believe that there's things, there's things that God needs to be said. Did I, did, that wasn't even a complete sentence, right? <laughs> there's things that God wants to be said. And it needs to ha- it's, and the only way it's going to happen <laughs> is through his people. So I'm so excited, now I can't talk. <laughs> so... There, there, God, I mean, it was like, I don't even think I, I mean, I, I don't even know if I communicated all that I felt God was saying. But there, there was a moment when I was in prayer where I was like, God, you have so much to say, God, there's so much you want to say. 
Where there was just like this, this burning, there's this, this passion, this something that God is saying, look, you can say that. You can display who I am. You can communicate. You're the people of God. You're the children of God. We are those people. We are that church. We are called to reveal God and be a voice for him. So if you missed last week, that's it real quick in a nutshell. May have even been better than last week. Acts 9.31. But this is a word that the Lord spoke to me Thursday night as we were praying as, as a worship team. And uh, it's actually a, a scripture I'd read a, a week before and it really caught my attention. And uh, God brought it up again this week. So I want to start here in Acts 9.31. This is... Uh, give a little background for where this is in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the birth of the church. That's where the, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit is poured out in Acts 2. That's, that's the first church. That's the first assembly, the community, the people of God that was, that was formed, that was different than the old way where it was just the Jewish people you know, to bring Jesus. That was the purpose of that, was to call one family and then one people to bring one person to save the whole world. And so Acts is after Jesus has lived and died and been resurrected. And then he tells his people to wait. He says, go wait in the upper room. There's 120 that wait. They are baptized, filled, just fire of the God. The Holy Spirit comes down and fills their life. And then they begin to be a voice for God. That's amazing. That happens when you're full of the Holy Spirit. Thing, God comes out. Whether that's in your words or your actions, he, he, he displays himself. He communicates through us because we're full of him. We're full of his spirit. And so that's been happening. People start getting saved. There's opposition. People are in prison and, and pressed against and, and tortured. And, and, you know, but they still keep pressing on. They pray for more. They say, God, send more. You know, you're the king. It doesn't matter. We're going to press on. And then there's this guy named Saul. And Saul is like this huge guy that begins to... To tear apart the church, it says, it literally says that in one of the, the verses that he began to just drag people off to prison and he was, he was bent on destroying the church of Jesus Christ. But then Jesus had a different idea for Saul. If you've heard the story before in Acts chapter 9 is where Saul meets Jesus on the road and has an encounter with God and is saved and transformed and baptized in the Holy Spirit. When Ananias comes and lays his hands on him, he's blinded and then he's made to see. And then he's totally changed from that moment on. In an instant, everything changes for Saul because he met Jesus. Everything changes when you meet Jesus. And so he has this encounter with God. And then it says he begins to preach like crazy and go out. And he has, he has the stuff in his head and his heart now. Because he was a very learned person of the scriptures. And when he met God, the scriptures all made sense about Jesus. And he was actually able to, to say things that no one could refute against. It says no one could argue with him. It's like, man, this guy has, has it all together. So all that's going on. And they bring Saul back and introduce him. And they're a little bit nervous about about him, like, hey, is this guy really converted? I mean, see, is, you know, are, are there people in your life that you think, man, can they really get saved? I remember my dad, and we, we all think that, right? I mean, it's not, I'm not saying it's good or God. I'm just saying we all think, man, if that person gets saved, then I really know God's real, right? You know, <laughs> you know they're so far out there. I still remember my dad telling the story about, who was that guy? You remember, he, anyway, it was some guy that was, was uh, in grew up in his town and 
uh, he always kind of had this thought in his head, man, that guy, if, if that guy gets saved, then anybody can get saved, you know, and sure enough, God got him saved. I mean, he was the biggest, I mean, he could cuss you under the tables, you know, like, like you wouldn't believe, uh, you know, he, he said more cuss words in one minute than I, than people have said in their entire life. I mean, he's, you know, he made a rated R look movie look look G, you know. I mean, he, he was just this bad dude, okay. And he, he was it was so that was like the the view. My dad says, but but when he got saved, everything changed because God can save anybody. So Saul was kind of like that guy. He was that one that when they come in, they're like, I know you were trying to kill us just two weeks ago. <laughs> two weeks ago, this guy was was dragging people off to prison. It's like, I saw you in church. Now I know to target you. And he goes to your house and drags you off to prison, you and your family. So they, they do accept him. In. And then this, this verse just, just jumps out here in the middle. Holy Spirit, thank you for opening the scriptures as we read them this morning. It says 931. Uh, then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and, enc- and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. That verse just jumped out at me. And here's the reason it jumped out at me. I wasn't reading it in the New International Version. I, I, when I study, I study in a more literal translation of the bible uh there are different ways to translate the bible thought for thought or word for word um most of the ones that are easier to read are thought for thought read those that's fine if you want to dig in deeper you get new american standard uh new king james english standard version are more literal they are word for word listen to what this says in the word for word, I'm just going to quote it. it says, and then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria uh, entered into a time of peace. It was built up and it multiplied. It multiplied, comforted by the Holy Spirit and living in the fear of the Lord. And the word jumped out at me, multiplied. You know, I mentioned it earlier. I gave you a preview that... Today, what I'm going to talk about is multiply yourself. And it's interesting, this word multiply shows up several times in the book of Acts. It's the word playtheno or playthuno, and it literally means multiply <laughs> or a great increase. It's from the root word, which means to like fill up and get really full and have an abundance. And so that was like the root word, and then it, you know, literally means multiply. And it shows up in several places, and these are just going to flash on the screen, guys. Just flash them on with me. It says in Acts 6.1, it's the same word. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, there's the word right there, was multiplying, was being filled up. The Grecian Jews among them complained, and there was an issue. Even with a growing church, there can be issues. Acts 6 and verse 7, so the word of God Spread The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly or multiplied rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Acts 12, 24. It says this, But the word of God continued to 
increase and spread. There's the word again, the, the multiplication. Now, in the NIV, it all translates it as increase, and that's fine, but literally the word is multiply. 2 Corinthians 9.10. I'm, I'm not going to turn there, but it, this is the, the, what we said in our uh, times of offering. It says, Now he supplies seed for the sower and bread for food will also supply and multiply your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So th- this word shows up in, in, in many different ways, but it shows up all over the book of Acts with the church multiplying. Now, I need I need a brave volunteer. <laughs> I need a brave volunteer, and you're gonna come. You guys gonna come up front, okay? So I need a volunteer. Come on up. All right. Okay, this I it's, it's, I'm not really gonna do anything. To this man, first of all, who thinks that this man can beat me up? Okay. There's not, there's not anybody in here, including ladies, that I could probably take in a fight, okay? So, <laughs> some of you ladies, I, I definitely don't want to mess with. So, anyway, Kelly, and I just want you to be as honest as you can be. And this is an illustration here. And, oh, okay, well, that's why I said brave volunteer. Okay, there's no wrong answers here. So, it doesn't matter if... if if you get, there's no wrong answer. So I just want you to answer whatever you think is, is, is a better choice. I'm going to give you two choices. This is not real, by the way, either. This is an illustration. <laughs> you have a choice. I, can, I will either hand you a million dollars right now. Obviously, we know this is fake. <laughs> you can take a million dollars today, or I will give you one dollar today, and that dollar will multiply and double each and every day for 30 days. So in other words, tomorrow I'll give you $2, and then the third day I'll give you $4, the fourth day I'll give you $8, etc., until 30 days are up. Which would you choose, a million dollars or a dollar to start off with doubled for a month? You're going to choose the dollar. Okay. Who thinks he made a good choice? Okay, you've heard this illustration before, I know. Okay, have a seat, Kelly. I appreciate you. Here's the deal. He made a good choice because when you multiply a dollar and double it for 30 days, who who thinks they know how much it is? A lot. (laughs) It's actually an incredibly a lot amount. The number, if you do that, is 1,000,000. 73,741,825 dollars. Good choice. <laughs> I mean, if it was real, I'd give it to you, man. I wish I could. <laughs> One billion. I mean, a million sounds great to get it right then. But you know what? If you start with something small and multiply it, in the long run, it's way bigger than getting something big right away. And that's how exactly what is happening in the book of Acts with the church. And that is what is exactly supposed to happen with us as the church today. That if we buy in to the idea that we are meant to multiply ourselves into someone else, one day it doesn't look that great. Or one year, it doesn't look that great. But 30 years down the road, 
the multiplication will be too many to count. So when you multiply something in God's kingdom, see, God, it, it bears fruit and fruit and fruit and more fruit over time. If I take one person this year and pour my life into them, then there's two. If both of us then the next year take one person and those people take one person, we begin to multiply. It's just like how you have kids, right? When you, when you, have, when you start a family, you begin multiplying. First you're single and you get married. You, you have two. You've doubled. And then you start having kids. Boom. And then your kids, I've heard, at some point when they're grown up, they have, they have kids of their own. You have grandkids. What happens when, then when you have a family gathering? You've multiplied. It's much harder to feed everybody because there's a lot more mouths. There's a whole lot more Christmas presents to get. Because, oh, well, i got how many grandkids now? Boom, boom, boom. Sorry, we're cutting it down. But there's been a multiplication over time. You know, it's what happened. That's why God could say to Abraham, hey, I'm going to make your descendants more than the stars in the sky or the sand on the sea. Because God was saying, look, if you multiply over time and invest in the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, you'll see a great abundance. There'll be a great increase. There'll be a multiplication. Turn to uh, Matthew 13 real quick. I just want to I, I sell you on it a little bit more here. Matthew 13 is the parable of the sower. We actually read that in our Bible reading this week. Uh, it was actually after I was, I was ready to do this message and I did my uh, Friday morning. This was the reading. And if you're not familiar with the parable of the sower, I'm going to summarize it. We're going to start at verse 18 and, and just read the summary that Jesus gives. But Jesus gets a huge crowd and uh, he, he starts speaking to them in parables. You know, he doesn't tell them straight up. He wants them to seek out the truth. Sometimes God does that to us. He doesn't tell us straight up. The reason is, is because there's more. If we will seek out the truth in it, we will gain the understanding. And, you know, God doesn't want to just throw his stuff out there to everybody. He wants you to come and receive and be drawn into it. So Jesus says, hey, there's a farmer that went out. He threw some seed on on the hard ground, but the birds... Think of, let me, let me go back, sorry, I do this a lot. Think, you go out to hear Jesus talk. You know, I mean, here's this amazing prophet, this guy, everybody says, we've got to go hear him. You know, it's like when you've, you know, you bring in the, the best speaker you could think of in Midland, and there's a huge crowd, and he gets up and says, all right, there was this farmer, he threw some seed out on the ground, and then there were some birds that came, and they ate that seed. And then there was some of the other seed that, you know, it went into the, the hard ground. And it was, it was real thin soil, and it grew up for a little bit, but it had no roots, so it died. And then there was some other seed that went among the, among the thorns and weeds. And when it, when it grew up, it got choked out by the weeds. And then there was other seed that went on good soil, and then it grew up and produced, produced a great crop and then sat down. That's the sermon. That's what, that's what the crowd heard that day. Wow, cool, man. Uh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's why the disciples come to him and say, what in the world is going on, Jesus? What does that mean? <laughs> you know, I mean, great message, Jesus. I've got a couple pointers, maybe, you know, uh, like make, you know, have something like relevant next time. You know, like, like, can it be like spiritually meaningful in my life or something, Jesus? 
And so, but Jesus said, hey, look, it's, you know, I'm not just going to throw everything out to everybody. You need to, you need to come closer to me, and then you'll find the truth. Uh, and so, in verse 18, he says, let me explain this parable to you. I'm going to read the whole thing. Uh, it says this. Listen to what the parable of the sower means in verse 18. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, what was sown in his heart. This is the seed along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it and making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred sixty or 30 times what was sown. Do you see the multiplication there at the end? It says 100 times, 60 times, and 30 times what was sown. And I, 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 don't, I don't say that I know anything about farming or seeds or really anything that has to do with this in the natural. But there seems to be something that Jesus is saying or at least implying it says that there is a crop that's produced that's a hundred times even what the seed that went out is. And the only way that happens in the natural is when the seed go, goes into the soil, grows, lets out other seeds, other things grow. That's the only way you get 60 or 30 times what you sowed, right? Is that the, that the, the crop keeps producing and reproducing. You know, what, is, what does Jesus say? How does Jesus describe the, you know, what happens in our lives? He says, hey, you're going to bear fruit, right? Look, John 15 and verse 5, says that Jesus says this. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me or abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus is, is saying, hey, there's going to be things that come out of your life which are going to be the fruit of your relationship with me. Now, fruit is something that's very interesting. If you think about fruit, he, I think Jesus, he didn't use vegetables. It would sound weird. Wouldn't it sound weird if we, it was the vegetables of the Spirit, you know, or... You know, we're supposed to bear vegetables for God, you know, bearing our vegetables. I don't know, maybe, maybe he chose it because it sounds funny. Well, he wasn't speaking English, so it may sound even funny. Fruit may sound funnier than vegetables in Aramaic. I don't know. But here's the deal. Jesus chose fruit specifically, I believe, because of what fruit does. Fruit comes from one seed. Fruit is usually on a tree of some sort, but it comes from one seed. But one seed produces lots of fruit. When you plant an apple tree, you don't just get one apple. Do you know if you plant a carrot, you only get one carrot. So if you want a bunch of carrots, you have to plant bunches and bunches of seeds. But if you want a bunch of apples, all you have to do is plant one apple seed. 
And here's the interesting thing. Fruit is meant to multiply by its very nature because every single fruit that comes from that tree is full of seeds that won't just produce other fruit. They will produce whole other trees that will produce other fruit. So Jesus is being very specific here that we will bear fruit and that's, it's going to multiply. It's going gonna, it's gonna to go on and on and on. There's going to be an increase. There's going to be an abundance. It's not just going to be one turns into one. No, one turns into many. Within fruit is the seeds necessary to multiply. Fruit is designed and meant to multiply in its very nature. It's not meant just to, just to be consumed. It was created so that it could multiply itself to become more and more and more. Fruit provides nourishment and the means to multiply. So I can actually eat the apple... Now, all fruits are not like this. Some of them, the seeds are, you actually eat the seeds. But for the sake of the illustration, I'll use an apple. I can eat an apple and receive nourishment and satisfaction and, and health and strength, whatever I need in my body from, that that apple gives me, the vitamins it gives me. I can receive nourishment, but then I can leave the seeds and it can still multiply after I eat. And what Jesus is saying is, 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 hey, this, you're going to bear fruit in your lives. That will nourish you. That will be food for you. That will be good for you. When God bears fruit in our lives, when we're going through a difficult time, we may bear the fruit of peace in the midst of a trial or a circumstance or a battle. We, we have fruit from that. It provides nourishment, but it's not meant just to be for us because fruit is meant to multiply. Within the fruit that is going on in our lives are the seeds to multiply that peace in somebody else's life. Think about it. Think about every single good thing that comes out of your life because of God. That it's meant not just for you to consume it and say, Oh God, that was great. Thank you. I mean, that's kind of the, that's the American mindset for church, right? It's like, man, I go to that church because I really like this. I really like, and most of us aren't like that in here, I think. We're, we're really not. But in general, and I'm talking in general, not every church is like this, not every Christian is like this, but we become a consumer society where we have a consumeristic mentality. Whatever I can get, if I'm getting something good, it's like, did you get something from the message? You know, and then, you, man, did you get something from the worship when you came? Well, it's not, yeah, you are supposed to get something because God says you're going to bear fruit. You can eat that, but you're supposed to get it, and then you're supposed to give it away and multiply it with other people. Because within the fruit that God bears in your lives is the ability to multiply it in somebody else. I can plant that peace that I receive, that grace that I receive, that experience with God's love, that, that, that deliverance and breakthrough in a bondage of my life. There's a seed in the fruit of that to be born in someone else where I can lead someone else in that same freedom, where I can lead someone else in that same reception of the, of the power of the, of the Holy Ghost. So... There is, it's meant to be shared. But most of the time we take our fruit, what do we do? What do I do with my apples when I eat them at home? And I just throw it away. 
Now, I'm not, I'm not saying you have to go home and plant all your fruit after you eat it, okay? That's not the point. It's not about natural fruit. If you want to grow an orchard, that's your own business. And I will come eat all of the things that you grow for me. That's great. I, I would love to enjoy that. Uh, but the point is, is, you know, that's, I just consume it and it's just for me and then I throw it away. But I don't want to do that spiritually. Jesus says, hey, you're going to, you're going to bear fruit in your life. There's going to be things that are going to be happening in you. And, that, you know, there's going to be in that what I am doing in you, the fruit that happens in your life. There are seeds that you can plant in other people's lives. You need to multiply yourself. That's what God is calling us to do as a people. We need, I need to be multiplying myself. Who am I sharing my life with where I can multiply what God has done in me and spread it around? That's what happened with the early church. They were multiplying. They were so full that they had to share. Said, <laughs> so look, I'm going I'm to enjoy the benefits of what God is doing in my life but I'm going to share that with someone else. I'm going to pour my life into someone else. I'm going to multiply myself into someone else. Now, here's the big thing, that the bear, one of the big barriers that we have to get over. You have to believe that you have something valuable to give to somebody else. You have to believe that God has placed something in your life, that if he's done something in your life, you can share that with somebody else. Not everybody gets up and preaches and teaches. You know, Narda multiplies herself. I hope you don't mind me using you as an illustration. It doesn't matter. Too late. So, okay. <laughs> I always ask afterwards. So she's, she's family. She'll have to forgive me. So um, Narda multiplies herself into fourth, fifth, and sixth grade children. How many kids do you think you've taught over the years? No idea. Probably what, like five or six a year? It's not like a big group normally. It's sometimes been more, sometimes been less. How many years have you been doing it? Okay, and she's 30 now, so that's 15 years. <laughs> oh, she's 40. Okay. <laughs> so we'll say that's 30 plus. We'll just say 30 years, okay? Um, 30, 30 years, even let's say, hey, there was five people in each class. That's 150 kids that she multiplied herself into now if those 150 kids touch two people each in their life in their whole lifetime that's 300 people now if those 300 people that she poured her life into touch two each in their whole life that's it that's 600 people and so on and so on when we choose to pour ourselves into someone else god multiplies the effect of it over and over and over and over again you know, when I was, I was blessed to have an opportunity when uh, I was in the Austin area, lived in Cedar Park, and I was the youth pastor. And we had all these crazy kids that came in. They were just unchurched kids. They weren't like, they just weren't churched kids, you know. You know what a church kid looks like, you know. We have churched kids, you know. Your kids are churched, you know. Um, you know, my kids are going to be churched. You know, they grew up in the church. They've been in the church a long time. You know, they've grown up in that. These kids were like, they had no, no experience with the church. So they were, they were a little bit out there. And we had a, we had a young man uh, named John. I've probably told you about him. He played at my wedding. He played guitar. He's, my brother taught, began to teach him to play guitar. And I still remember the song. You may remember this. You were there. You probably don't remember the song. But 
There was one time when the first time he stood up and played worship with us on a Friday night when we did youth group. It was, I could sing of your love forever. And I still remember, we got to pour into that young man. You know, the youth group was never that big, you know. I mean, maybe it was maybe up to 20 at one point, maximum. That was including the adults. It's huge. Well, it's it's all, yeah. It's all a relative thing. So I'm not trying to talk about number. I'm just, you know, from, a mind, from my mindset, it was, it was never huge or anything. But it, we did reach some kids, and they got saved, and, uh, you know, there's, there was fruit. Now, you, John was, was taught a little bit about worship and a little bit about music from us. But that seed that was planted in him that we choose, chose to multiply ourselves to a certain extent into his life, you know, now John leads worship uh, he, he's played with jesus culture uh for some of you that know what that i mean he's he's been to uh he leads worship at a church of two thousand people he's the worship leader he trains up other worship leaders he is multiplying himself and all we did was multiply ourselves in one person and now it's affecting thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people that's the power of multiplication it looks small the first day because it's only a dollar. And it looks small the second day because it's only $2. But down the road, as it multiplies and multiplies and multiplies, it'll turn into a number bigger than you can imagine. That's how the kingdom works. But I have to first be willing to say, believe, hey, I have something to give to somebody else. If you've been following Jesus for five minutes you and somebody received Jesus five minutes after you, you have five minutes worth of stuff to pour into their life. Man, I've only known the, been, really been walking with the Lord for a month or whatever. And so you've got somebody else who's been walking with the Lord for two weeks. You have two weeks worth of fruit to pour into their life. You can multiply yourself into them. You have something good. And here's, here's the amazing thing. It, sometimes it doesn't matter how long you've been walking with God. All of you can pour something into my life and multiply yourself, and I can receive something that I haven't received from God on my own because you have experienced Him in a different way. You have had different uh, ways that God has walked you through things and borne fruit in your life, and you can multiply that in me, and I can receive a blessing and be challenged and be, be, have, have a seed planted in me that births something new. And so we, can, we, all, we begin seeding each other and multiplying ourselves in one another, and then we multiply ourselves outside of, of the four walls of this building. You know, what if every person multiplied their self in one, just one other person? That's how multiplication begins. It doesn't mean I have to think huge. I mean, Jesus said when he wanted to multiply to the whole world, he chose 12. He said, I'm going to pour my life into these 12 guys. Only 11 worked out. So even Jesus had a ringer, okay? So if you pour your life into a bunch of people and like one of them goes off and you're like, man, what did I do wrong? Nothing. I mean, maybe you did, but I mean, look, Jesus was totally perfect and he still had a Judas. So don't beat yourself up over the, the one that went away. Look at the ones that did stay. So with 11 guys, and ultimately they turned into 120 on the day of Pentecost, they begin to multiply themselves until now we're today all over the world. But it started with 12 guys for three years that Jesus poured and multiplied himself into them over and over again. He shared his life. He taught them how to pray. He taught them how to, you know, he demonstrated how he walked with God with them. He, you know, they were with him 
when things were hard, they were with him in celebration. They were with him in sorrow. They were with him in the garden when he was overwhelmed. They didn't understand what was going on. Only a few of them were, you know, only one of them was still with him at the cross. But they came back at the resurrection and he shared again with them. He was multiplying himself. And then he said, you know, the, the greatest seed ever is say, look, I got to get out of here so I can send the Holy Spirit so I can multiply myself all over the world in the presence of God in every single believer's life, every person who follows me. Think of that multiplication, how God has multiplied himself to millions upon millions upon millions upon millions upon hundreds of millions of people around the world. The United States and Europe, the Western area, is one of the few places in the world where the church is not exploding. The rest of the world, the church is overwhelmingly victorious and multiplying tens upon millions upon thousands upon thousands. We're not losing, just FYI. We're having a struggle in our nation, for sure. But the church is winning. And I think one of the reasons is, you know what, those people, they multiply themselves, and, and, and they're, they are so devoted. They, they're intentional, they are specific, and they are consistent in their, their discipleship and multiplication of the seed of God one to two, and then two turns into four, and four turns into eight. What if every single person multiplied themselves in one other, or every single couple multiplied themselves in one other couple, every single family said, I'm going to multiply myself into one other family, then what happens in one year? We've doubled. And it's not about numbers. It's about fruit. It's, it's, about, it's about the increase that, of the kingdom so that, again, sometimes... All those people don't stay in one church. They're sent out other places. You know what? You plant a tree, and sometimes you can throw an apple a long ways where the apple gets taken on an airplane, and it's planted somewhere else in some other nation, and then it begins to bear fruit. But every single person is important, and every single person that you multiply yourself in is important. But you have to believe that you have something worth sharing. So if God has deposited anything good in your life, if he's done anything in you, that's great, and that's worth sharing with someone else. And you can, you can be a part of multiplying your experience with God, the fruit of, of what you've done, what he's done in your heart with someone else. It's a long-term outlook it's not it's not the quick fix it's not the million dollars right now and the thing we have to know is too sometimes when we sow seeds into people we have to look long term i don't want to just pray one time for somebody and then that didn't work (laughs) no i i want to pray and get that seed and say god get that seed deeper in their heart you know get that truth deeper in their heart open their eyes god let them let them see i want to pray over and over again until you know it says jesus is saying look if it gets to good soil it will bear fruit it will multiply it it's it's going to happen because that's how the kingdom works now there's all these other things that sometimes do get in the way if a person's hard towards god they're not going to receive anything and it's like the devil comes and takes it away before it gets in their heart. You know, some people have lots of... Does anybody have weeds in their lives that, that you need to get taken out by the Lord? Hey, that's great because God says he's the gardener. So, hey, say, God, make me good soil. 
God, make me good soil. Amen. You know, that way, whatever he's placed in me, if I'm good soil, then I will bear 30, 60, or 100 times. There's going to be a multiplication of what God does in me all around me because I'm good soil. So God... You know, scrape me up on the inside. That's why God has to work on our hearts sometimes because he's, he is preparing us to bear fruit. So I'm going to stop there because I got more, but I think it's, I think I've given you enough. Have I given you enough this morning? Okay, so here, here's the deal. I want, us to, I want us to pray. I want us to take, can you come play the piano, Josh? Um, the keyboard. <clears throat> Just for a minute. I just I want us to to take a second first of all and just kind of just kind of let the Lord speak to us and and I know I've encouraged us uh, recently in this but if there's somebody and again it could be within this this body because discipleship happens among one another as well. Is there somebody in here that I need, to, I need to multiply myself in their life? And more importantly, is there somebody outside here that God is saying, hey, that's, that's the one. I want you to start praying for them. Because prayer is the first thing. Prayer begins to till the soil of people's lives. Sometimes they need a lot of tilling. Okay, It's really hard. So don't be... Don't be afraid if God calls you to pray for someone for, for an extended period of time. Because... The soil is being being turned over. There's be, there's water that's coming. The, the 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 Holy Spirit gently begins to rain on their hearts. There's things that begins to soften them up, and over time, then they are ready to receive. But begin to think: Is there somebody? Is there somebody that God is calling me to multiply myself in? And then we have to be intentional. We have to be intentional and, and, and say, first, I'm going to begin to pray for that person consistently. Because then I begin to get God's heart for that person. I begin to see with his eyes. And then I have to be intentional say, where does it go from there, God? You know, open up an opportunity. Do I need to talk to this person? Do I need to invite them over for dinner? Do I need to just get to know them? And then maybe it's a, a period of time where I just get to know them over months and months and months. And I share my life with them and our lives to begin to connect. And then there's something that begins to happen because there's a spiritual transfer. Anytime we share our lives, even if we're not, you know, all the times talking about, you don't have to talk about Jesus in every conversation. Because if you have Jesus in your life, Jesus comes out in every conversation. You know, whether how you talk about your boss or how you talk about your sister-in-law or family issues or whatever uh, how you talk about how you're struggling with your kids or 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 your spouse or whatever it may be but jesus will begin to come out even if you don't say his name because he is such a part of our my life that my conversation will begin to multiply itself in this other person And I just want to declare over you that every single one of you has something good to share with somebody else. God has done something in you. There's, there's fruit in your life. If you've received Jesus into your life as your Lord and Savior, there is fruit in your life. There is something that is worth sharing 
with someone else. You are important. It's not, don't wait for the person you think is more spiritual to take care of this job. No, you're meant to multiply yourself. You're meant to multiply yourself and someone else. But you say, oh God, don't you see all the junk in my life? And God says, look, it doesn't matter. I'm I'm greater than that stuff. I I am more powerful than your shortcomings. It's my power that's working in you. Just give me your will. All you need is is to say, yes, God, I'm willing to do that. So Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would open up our hearts, open up our minds, that we might, we might see, we might have revelation knowledge of how we're meant to pour our lives out. If that's teaching 4th, 5th, and 6th graders, great. If that's a friend at work, great. If that's working with uh, after school program at the elementary school, great, do it. It doesn't have to be. This isn't about doing stuff in the church. It can be. But God wants to multiply so much bigger. And there's so much good that God has placed in this body of believers right here. In every single person that he's saying, I want, this is worth giving away. The things I've done in your life are worth sharing with someone else. They're worth multiplying and bearing fruit and seeding someone else's life. Holy Spirit, show us. Give us revelation knowledge. Let us not let this go, that we might see who we can pour our lives into, who we can share the fruit of our lives into, and plant the seeds where they can have good fruit come out of their lives. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. Break off any mindset, any, any stronghold or in mind that would hinder us that says you're not good enough. I just speak to every single, every single person that's hearing a voice that says I can't do that. And I, I break that voice in Jesus' name and I declare that you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. He will be the one that gives you the strength. Just as it says in Acts 9.31 that the church was strengthened. It was first filled with power. It was strengthened with the Holy Spirit and with the fellowship with one another. We break those lies off of anyone that says they're not worthy of this. Lord, you have made us worthy. You have made us worthy. Teach us how to multiply ourselves, God. We're in such a consumeristic society. All we know what to do, Lord, is to get something for ourselves and say, yeah, God, and it's not even our own thought process sometimes to, to share that. So help us move from a consumer to a multiplier. Teach us to pray, God. Teach us how to sow into people's lives. Show us how we're we're to be involved. doesn't mean we have to be the evangelists that lead every person to Jesus, but we can share our lives and and plant the seed and multiply ourselves and somebody else. Thank you for doing that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Can we all stand? Do you have a song? Or Alleluia would be good. Let's just kind of close and just kind of just just kind of consecrate ourselves to the Lord as we as we close with this simple chorus, however whichever words Josh feels led to sing.
we surrender to you, Holy Spirit. We surrender to you. We surrender our lives. You're the one that makes us bear fruit, Lord. We know it's you who causes good things to grow. And so, most of all, God, we just want our lives each and every day to surrender to you, that we might be good soil. We just make this declaration, God, that, that you have made us good soil, Lord. You have made us good soil. You have made me good soil. And I continue to trust you to be the one to pull the weeds, to be the one that, that gets the things out. I don't have to do that myself. I trust you, Holy Spirit. We surrender to you each and every day. We thank you for that, God. We thank you that you will multiply us, multiply our lives, multiply your fruit all around us. In Jesus' name, amen.